Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature collector Kent Kelly. His interest in the arts was formed from fond memories observing his mother, an artist who died when he was 14. A decade later, he acquired his first works of art and in 2015 began building an art collection with the express goal of documenting and preserving the culture of the African diaspora. His support for the arts includes increasing the awareness of artists of color, whether they be emerging artists, mid-career artists, or mid-20th century masters, excluded from the historical art canon because of their race and gender. Kent is a finance professional and currently serves as the chief financial officer of a fast-growing SaaS software company. His collection includes works by Nate Lewis, Vaughn Spann, Nathaniel Mary Quinn, Micheline Thomas, Gahindi Wiley, Betty Saar, Frank Bowling, and many others. Kent is also a patron of the arts. He is a Director's Circle member of his local High Museum of Art, a Director Council member of the Student Museum of Harlem, and a member of MoMA's PS1, Greater New Yorkers, a community of forward-thinking individuals dedicated to supporting MoMA PS1's ability to be artist-centric, artist-driven, and artist-focused. Kent and his wife were funders for the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, Obama Portraits Exhibition, on view until March 2022. Thank you and enjoy this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Kent, I want to thank you for joining me on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start with that big opening question. When did you recognize your interest in visual arts? Yeah, for me, I'd have to say I was influenced very early on. Um, My mother was an artist, a self-taught artist, um, didn't have a professional career. She was actually a social worker. And but this was, you know, art was her escape. So I have memories of her, you know, doing work and her smock at home and also memories of one of the works that she did, which was actually of me. And I just remember, you know, as I think about it, just watching that work or looking and observing and gazing at that work for, you know, (laughs) hours, literally, I just enjoyed it so much. And I think that awakened in me an interest in the arts as well as just an overall appreciation, um, as well as somewhat of an understanding of the artistic process. Subsequent to that, I was one of those kids who also, you know, carried around a sketchbook. I was, you know, constantly drawing that was, you know, my, you know, not necessarily 
escape, but that was my form of expression of, you know, spending time in that sketchbook drawing, you know, faces or, or figures or, or scenes. I, you know, I also remember the frustration of actually, you know, not feeling like I could get my work to the level that I, I wanted it. But for many, many years, it was really until high school, wasn't until high school that I, I really set that to the side. Yeah, I guess if your mother's talented, it could put a little pressure on you. So do you recall what artist work other than your mother really impacted you when you were young? For me, art appreciation, I think I have to say, started with, quite frankly, I think the Dutch masters. I, you know, at an early point in time had, you know, visited museums and I was just always fascinated by some of the, the Dutch masters. And I, I didn't even, you know, at the time I couldn't tell you a Dutch master from, you know, others, but there were certain images that just stayed with me from, you know, visiting museums and just the, the, the detail, the lighting in, in the works just really appealed to me, just the, you know, the artistic, you know, scene really appealed to me. And then, you know, later on, I discovered in my, you know, 20s or early 20s, I discovered, you know, Black artists. And there were a number of artists who were, you know, popular at the time, uh, Charles Bibbs, um, Susan St. James, their work was actually featured on the Cosby show. And so at some point in you know, my career, I decided I needed to decorate my house and I decided I wanted to, you know, those were the artists that I wanted to actually put on my walls. If they were on the Cosby show, they were good enough to go on, <laughs> on my walls. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and so fast forward to now. Other than the uh, aesthetic appeal, what attracts you to an artist's work? Is does how much impact does the narrative have? Well, the narrative is incredibly important. You know, I've I've learned so much, and every year I learn more. And that's one of the things that I love about this journey is it's I'm constantly educating myself on art, on the art market on artists, on the life and challenges of artists. And so I'm making a much different decision now than when I was then. And, and I won't say, I can't just say it's a much more informed decision um, because it's informed about certain things. And, and it's also informed about what I'm trying to build in my collection. And so, you know, with, with that as a background, you know, now I'm thinking about, you know, the the artist, the narrative is very important because then I want to, I've, you know, segmented my collecting into three different areas. And so I'm looking to see, does the art and the artist fit into, you know, those areas, either of those areas, because I'm trying to build something that has a theme to it, that has a story that when you know, the story's told at some time later in the future, or if there was a write-up about my collection, it will have a consistent theme to it. Does that make sense? It does. And when you're buying, does market appreciation influence your decision-making? You know, that's that's one factor. You know, there, there are many factors involved, but, you know, market appreciation is one, but I find financial background. And so portfolio management is, you know, part of you know, you know, really trying to do. And so it, it has its place. And, you know, I have a financial management and, and that's really around 
looking at the overall value of your or how that translates in the art world or art collecting is you look at the overall value of your collection and so there are certain pieces that you expect to actually appreciate in value and there are other pieces where you're not necessarily concerned about that you actually just really enjoy the work and so i apply that you know portfolio theory to my collection which allows me to you know, acquire works that, you know, should appreciate in time, but also works that I, I like. I never get away from, you know, actually acquiring works that I like, but also to pursue those works that, you know, of more emerging artists where I either just want to support, you know, their careers. I really enjoy what they're doing. I think they're being bold in the, their direction and I want to support them. And, you know, in those cases, I may buy multiple pieces. So there's been quite strong interest in figurative work by artists of color. Do you think that this is like a short-term or near-term phenomena? Do you think that the value of that work can be sustained? Yeah, you know, that, that's an interesting question. You know, the, my, my initial thought uh, on that, because I hear that a lot, I think that we are we have to keep in mind the context that we are addressing 400 years of you know, this area being overlooked. And it's, you know, in that context, I think it's much too early to actually say that we've reached a point of saturation. That being said, it's, you know, our artists, Black artists, need the freedom to pursue multiple forms of artistic expression. And, you know, it's, you know, we have, you know, those who are doing portraiture and figurative. We have, you know, artists out there who are doing abstract. I, you know, like many collectors, I started out buying figurative works and those really appealed to me and I still buy figurative works. But as I become educated on abstract, I think that that's just an area that has my heart right now and it has my heart for a number of reasons. One, those, you know, masters from the 20th century who were painting, who were unrecognized for so many years, but were producing really great work. Those are, are artists that I'm actually, you know, trying to acquire now. And because I started acquiring so late, I have to be very active about finding that work and actually, you know, acquiring it and finding good pieces. Um, in, again, in abstract are some of the young artists out there that are actually creating abstract. And I know that not everyone gets abstract, right, initially. And so there are a lot of collectors that I think are overlooking you know, young abstract artist. You know, Alteronce Gumby is one that comes to mind, just doing incredible, you know, work that's very different in really charting his own path. Um, you have someone like a Ryan Cosbert who's just doing incredible work. I really, you know, and she's she's so young and you know, I think is going to have an incredible, you know, career ahead of her. And really, you know, I'm excited about just supporting her her work. And so I, I think so. I've kind of diverged from your original question, um, but hopefully I covered it. You did just fine. Uh, how would you define Black art? I don't. I can define Black artists, but the art itself, I, I think, you know, back to the point I made a moment ago about, I think art needs to have lots of forms of expression. And, and that's why we love artists so much is that they can actually, you know, create things that, people like myself, you know, don't. And they're things that I would have never created or even been exposed to. But when I am 
I, you know, am so fortunate when I can appreciate it because it, you know, opens up, you know, new areas of thought for us, as well as an understanding of things that, you know, I might not have ever contemplated. And so it's, you know, I, I think our artists need to have that freedom and, and hopefully they feel that way that I don't have to try to create work that is just of the black experience, but I can create work that might be of whatever experience I'm going through. That being said, I think it is very important and a big part of my collecting is to capture or to acquire work that does actually does reflect some of the you know significant moments in our history. I, I have a work by a photo by um, Steve Sweatpants, uh, for instance, that's that's now in the New York Museum, but it's a photo of the Black Lives Movement protest, where which was actually in the New York Times as well, where he was out photographing the, the protest, was crossing the street, a car filled with you know some gentlemen, some out over the the top of the car are are there, and they all have their fist raised, and the lighting and everything is just perfect, and he just captured this iconic image. And so that, you might call that black art. Um, you can make the argument that it's more than just, you know, black art because, you know, it's really about, you know, civil rights, which, you know, if we think about going back to, you know, today's Martin Luther King Day, right? You go back to, you know, what was accomplished through the civil rights, you know, protest. There were things that actually benefited more than just African-Americans. You know, we needed, you know, our rights um, but there are so many other races that have benefited from what was done. And so likewise, the BLM movement is something that this country needed. The George you know, Floyd incident was something that you know, this country needed its eyes open to. And that's a work that really captures that you know, more than you know, any other that I have in my collection, at least. And so you know, back to your question, I think that art, Black artists... You know, I love when they capture things like that, but we don't want to just categorize them to solely works of that nature. We want them to have the freedom to really take their place in the art world like any other, you know, background is able to do. So on, on the heels of your comments about the Black Lives Matter movement, we've witnessed ways in which it has impacted art institutions. You know, what is the trustee's role? Can we rely on them to make sure that these art institutions continue with the messages that they're, they're sending us now? I mean, how impactful can trustees be? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I wish I were a trustee and could answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my perspective on it. Uh, I think that multiple and varied voices are needed inside of organizations in order to really have an impact, um, to understand, to have dialogue. And that is, if you're an existing trustee and you've been you know, part of a museum and you're uncomfortable with engaging you know, with you know, members of the community you know, who you know, are different from yourself, either from a social economic standpoint or from a you know, racial standpoint, then you know, you need someone else who really can either take on that role or can, you know, work with you and help you do that. But I, I think that's, you know, why there's such been such a call for diversity, you know, at the board and trustee level. Um, I'm very fortunate. 
we have the High Museum here in Atlanta. I really like what the museum is doing. One, they've you know been successful in actually appealing to a diverse you know membership. And you know if you look at the statistics that they have on the people of color coming in the doors, they've actually done very well with engaging in the community. There's more that can be done. Likewise, the director there is actually doing a lot to actually diversify the board. Um, as well, and has made a concerted effort to actually, you know, reach out to members of color and actually diversify the board. Michael Rooks, the curator there, you know, under him, I'm really excited about some of the recent acquisitions. You know, we just got like an Otis Quaco, there's a Von Spann, Chase Hall, Ludovic, and more, you know, more coming. So really excited about the acquisitions and these things are getting on the floor as well. So it's, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I'm in a city with a museum that is being progressive, um, not necessarily advertising it. I think they could do a better job of, of that, actually. On that note, actually, I think Rand Suffolk, the director, is someone that uh, you should have on your show at some point. But I, I think, again, for your question, museums need to be representative of the communities that they're in, as well as representative of the country. And, you know, this is a very diverse country, and I think museums have a significant role to play in that and, you know, should do much, much more to, to diversify. What do you feel is the purpose of art? You know, art is so enriching, you know, in, in our lives. I mean, just to, to be, you know, to lay it out there, if I were to walk in my house and there were no art here, it would be a completely different experience, right? It's, you know, it is so rich. I can walk into... You know, just about every room and I see, you know, works that I can just go stand in front of and observe the artist's creation. And that's a, you know, a wonderful experience to have here in my home. And, and so dissecting that a bit, if I think about what is it, what is that really doing when I'm standing there in front of the work? It's, you know, feeding my soul, it's feeding my spirit, it's, you know, leading me to positive thoughts. Um, so it's, you know, not doing a great job of answering your question, but I think art has many roles to play. And, you know, back to that point of just art being from a social standpoint of art making us aware of areas of life or world or struggles that we wouldn't otherwise become exposed to. You know, artists play a, a huge role in, in that as well, whether it's abstract or whether it's figurative, just creating art that actually takes us out of our comfort zone sometimes and exposes us to, you know, how others that people like myself who are fortunate, you know, may not be exposed to. What type of relationship do you have with artists, especially those who you collect? You know, it, it really varies, um, and it really depends upon the artist and what they're they're comfortable with. But I do like to actually get to know the the artist. Uh, that's part of my you know learning and curiosity. I really like to know their their process to get into their head a little bit and understand how what does that creative zone you know look like for them. Like what does you know just and I think that goes back to me, you know, being that kid with the the sketchbook. Right? What's your you know, what's your process for actually getting in the zone 
to where you feel like you can, you know, create work? Or is it, you know, have you evolved to a point of where you can actually, you know, just sit down and do work? And so I, you know, I do studio visits. That's a really good way to connect. Um, and those can go, you know, in lots of different directions. Um, but it's, and sometimes it, it is really about the, the art. I remember sitting down with Teriku, um, Schifferall, an abstract artist um, based out of New York, and actually just having a really deep discussion on abstract art and even the history of abstract art. Just great discussion. You know, another time sitting down with, you know, Nate Lewis, where we're supposed to do a studio visit, and then it's like, ah, we're both hungry. And so just sitting down and actually just talking about our respective upbringings and life and things like that, and just had a, a great discussion. But um, so it, it really, you know, varies. But with, you know, emerging artists, I, I think it is important that, you know, I typically want to discuss with them to get an understanding of, you know, how they view themselves in the art world, um, their understanding of the art canon, how they think about their process, and, you know, where they, you know, what their, you know, ambitions are. As a patron of the arts, as a collector, how do you feel you can best support artists? I think number one is, you know, buying their work, um, particularly for, you know, young up and coming artists, um, supporting them that way. You know, I, I tell, you know, artists and I tell other collectors too, you know, I don't buy out of the studio. And the reason I don't buy out of the studio is because while that may financially help the artist, it actually doesn't necessarily help their place in the art ecosystem, right? Because there's a gallery, if they're represented by a gallery, then that, you know, when a gallery sells their work, that's, you know, a feather in the cap of that artist, that there is a market for their, their work. Um, so that's just kind of a, you know, rule that, you know, I've established. I would much rather, you know, connect someone with the gallery and then buy their work from a gallery so that a gallerist knows that there are collectors who are, you know, interested, you know, in the work. So uh, what are you excited about now? Well, I'm excited about the Obama portraits here in Atlanta. Um, that's uh, the Obama portraits tool. Sure. Um, that is, you know, that's, that's quite a historic event. Um, and it is an art event. You know, Kehinde Wiley, uh, Amy Sherrod, their paintings are, you know, incredible, um, very historical, um, such a significant moment in our country's history. The High has done a fantastic job of actually displaying those works. Uh, they've actually, you know, put them in separate rooms. They're actually side by side, but that has allowed you to get a complete Amy Sherrod, Michelle Obama experience. And then you can go on and actually explore the Kehinde President Obama experience. So it's it's a you know it, it's it's great. I was there for opening night and just a, a really great show. And I'm, I'm really excited that we actually have it here in Atlanta. I think it's a it's a great thing for the the city and the you know interest has been high as well. So I hope we can get as many people as possible to get out and see it. This has been a great discussion. I really appreciate your time. This is going to be our last question. And it is, how do you want to impact the art world? What long lasting impact would you like to have on the art world? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's, it's really being an influencer. Um, being an influencer in art institutions um, to ensure that there's a level playing field for artists. And if you were a trustee, what actions do you think you would take? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, being a trustee is going to be with an organ organization that actually I have a fit with. 
And right now, my activities are collecting and collecting in this particular area. Now, that being said, I don't just collect black artists. I have, you know, other artists who are not black that I've, I collect as, you know, as well. Um, but this is an area of unique focus that is very important to me. And so any organization that I, you know, affiliate myself with, that will be, you know, part of their mission. Or it, if it isn't, they will want me because they are looking to, they're in the process of building that. And so that is where, as a trustee, I think I can be, you know, most beneficial to them. There, there has to be a fit, right? It doesn't make sense for me to join some organization just for the benefit of, you know, associating my name with with theirs if there is an alignment on the on the mission. And and so in that role, what does that mean? That means that, you know, I want number one support the organization because first and foremost, mission number one is to meet the objective. They have to keep the lights on. And so supporting the organization number one, but then also looking to have a dialogue about the programming about the staffing and about the you know outreach to the the community and that's the community at, at large and it's not just the black community but i want to be part of that outreach to the black community and also connecting it in one of the areas where right because we can't do everything right but i think one of the areas where i can add value is in the collector community and invigorating that collector community and that's something that I've, you know, been fortunate enough to do. Had an event here for the Friends of African American Art for the High Museum. Actually, did a, a tour of the collection at, at my home, and that's, you know, that in itself has generated a lot of, you know, follow-on activities. And so, that that to me is, you know, an area that's near and dear to my my heart. And it's something that I think I have a, you know, unique ability to add value uh, because the more collectors that we actually bring into the mix. Uh, the better it is for the you know, ecosystem for Black artists. Well, I appreciate your time. I also appreciate your interest and your passion. We share that. It's nice to be in a position to, to have a positive impact and to be able to look back years from now and say, well, my contribution is, uh, is obvious. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to, Phyllis. I mean, I, I have to. Uh, I've been placed in a very fortunate position. And, you know, I've got, you know, people, ancestors, family members who, if, you know, I'm in this and it's just about the money, then I am doing them a great disservice. I'm doing my ancestors a great disservice. Right. And I, I can't go out like that. Once again, I appreciate your time, Kent. Awesome. Awesome. Likewise, Phyllis. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.